0: Halfway through the service, but uh, I can't promise anything, really. Uh, this think, is picking me up. Uh, right. Isn't it great when parents do everything for us? Isn't that great, Tom? It's pretty good, isn't it? Isn't it great when they do everything for us? When they sort our clothes. They cook our meals. They give us a bit of money. They organize who we're going to marry. They hoover the house. They drive us around places. Well, oh, no, wait, Hold on a second. Hoover, drive, oh, marry. Um, Yeah, that doesn't sound so good, does it? Who are we going to marry? Would I want my parents organising my wedding? Actually, probably, yeah. Although it's better when Sarah's (laughs) parents do it. Um, (laughs) Would I want them picking who I was going to marry? Uh, Probably not. I don't think there's many people who might want that. That might be the thing that they would really want when it comes to picking a partner. This is pretty common, to be honest. In the 18th century, it was common worldwide, these arranged marriages. Um, in the 20th century, still really common. Uh, Russia, China, many African countries, still really common throughout many countries in the world. In fact, a fairly recent study, <coughs> so it begins, uh, suggests that of 140 cultures, uh, that were involved in this study, around about 130 of them still have aspects of arranged marriages in them. Usually it involves some kind of veto right by the partners at the same time, though. Now, uh, looking around at some of the fathers in here, I suspect that a few of them really would quite like the whole arranged marriage thing, <coughs> making that choice, that choice being never, really. Um, fortunately, our country does give us a little bit Involving ourselves in our passage Abraham is getting on a little bit in the last chapter as we've heard he's just buried his wife Sarah and the changes in life reminded him that he needs to make sure that things are taken care of before he dies his estate has grown he's quite wealthy now he's got quite the name in the area He's, he's pretty well known and he's got a son now to inherit both name and his estate but Abraham needs to ensure that things are in order so that when he dies, Isaac has a wife. And, uh, I mean, Isaac's around about 40 now. Now, in that culture, that was getting on a little bit in terms of getting married. Not a problem, really. So what's what's Abraham going to do? Is he going to do what we would do? Start making half-hearted, sarcastic comments to the children like, I'd quite like to see my grandchildren before I die? Things like that. Well, that's not really Abraham's way. He's a man of action. But he does want to make sure that his son, Isaac, things are taken care of. It's time to get things moving. And so comes the instruction. We're in Genesis chapter 24, and the first nine verses read this. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant of the house, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living. But will go to my own country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to the land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of the father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you'll be released from this oath of mine, only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham, and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. (coughs) Abraham calls his servant, gives him an instruction. Go back to the land where we came from. Find a wife for my son Isaac. It's not going to be one of these Canaanite women. Not because he wants to give more of a challenge. Not because they weren't pretty enough. Not because they weren't wealthy enough or anything like that. But there are moral incompatibilities. And this is very important for a man like Abraham, a godly man. There's a few really valuable points from in here. Firstly, Abraham is moved with care for his son Isaac. This is a really important thing to look out for his family. We've actually seen it a few chapters earlier as well with his other son Ishmael. You remember, Ishmael was born when he and his wife felt like promises weren't being fulfilled. And they went to the handmaiden, and in an underhand way to get descendants, they moved. But. Even then, Abraham was absolutely committed to his son, really wanted the best for him, cared about him, and was really moved. At 140, which is the age that Abraham is, if I make it that far, I want my children to be looking after me. To be honest, I don't think I'm going to make 40. <coughs> but if I make it 140, I want my children to be looking after me. Abraham takes the responsibility of his responsibility as a father very seriously. And he understands something that I think all parents, or most parents, really know. Children lead looked after, even when they're 40. He wants his son to be happy. And if he can help to facilitate this, he will. Not because he doesn't trust Isaac, but as an older, wiser, godly man, he knows what is important here, and he's going to help. Parents, as if I need to say it. Care for your children long beyond the time that they think they need it. Not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. I think physically is probably the easiest of the three. Particularly when you've got lads. I speak as a lad. Because having those conversations, those how-you-get-on conversations, those what-are-your-problems, what-are-your-passions, those how-are-things-going-spiritually-for-you, Those are hard conversations to have. Not with everyone. But parents, love, care unconditionally for your children. And children, don't make it difficult for them. Which is sometimes what we do. Engage in those conversations as well. Give a little bit back. You might get something out of it. The Bible tells us quite clearly. Ephesians 6 says this. Fathers, train your children in the instruction of the Lord. Now, it's hard to train somebody if you're not involved. So, fathers, you need to get involved. You need to have those hard conversations. You need to get stuck in. You need to help out physically, emotionally, spiritually. And then in 1 uh, Thessalonians, it says of, uh, well, Paul is speaking, uh, speaking of himself and the disciples, but he says, we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Because all parents, not just mothers, but all parents have this responsibility to care, to be devoted, to love unconditionally for as long as is required. Really our best example is our Father. Our Father God, who is the ultimate example of care. The ultimate example of the one who loves us without condition, without end, without limit. Deeply, passionately. He loves us, seeks to support us. He wants the best for us. He wants to be there in everything that we can, that, that we're going through. He disciplines us when, when needed, corrects us if it's required, but all to bring us back to the right path. And he never, ever stops loving us. For Abraham and Isaac, it's a very specific need at this point. Abraham was really invested in Isaac finding a wife who was suitable. Abraham knew that the wrong partner for his son, would be a real problem. We see this in various other places in Scripture as well. We think about Samson in the Old Testament, that man of God who got involved in a woman who was not of his own same religion. We think about Solomon, similarly that wisest of men, but started um, being involved and, and being in relationships with people who were not suitable for him. And to both of those people and to others, it had a terrible detrimental effect. And Abraham is really clear in his own mind that if his son Isaac was to take a wife from amongst the Canaanites where they lived, it could be a hazardous, a terrible situation. It could really bring him down because having relationships with people who do not have the same faith, who cannot or will not understand your faith, your spiritual position can be a very, very difficult thing. And in fact, the Old Testament, they were warned really strongly of this. Sorry, it's a bit squished on my screen. Um, It says this in Joshua 23. If you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of those nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you. Because actually, and it would be tempting to say young people, but that's not really true. It's really important if we're thinking about partners, if we're thinking about Um, a future husband or a future wife it's really important that we actually invest our thoughts in the right person somebody who's not going to have a detrimental spiritual impact now there are those wonderful stories we know them of people of christians who have um who have got married to non-christians and then their their spouse has got saved and they've gone on and done great things for god but sadly far far more often far more regularly it's the other way around and it has a detrimental effect on the spiritual life of that Christian. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And it is a challenge. And it is hard. But it's really important. And our God who really wants the best for us. Who understands what our nature is like. Really wants us to be involved in relationships. Not just in marriage. But also Commercial relationships and friendships and the such like in ways which are not going to have negative impacts. And so be careful, young people, but not just young people, be careful and look for somebody who is similar spiritually, who longs to serve the Lord in the same way that you do. The best advice that was ever given to me, which I took, was find someone who is holier than you find someone who is better than you find someone who will bring you up and so Isaac well Abraham understands that this this is what Isaac needs a wife who will be of benefit to him and not a hindrance there's a second part of the job that uh, that is the the instruction Abraham gives He says this, you must not take him back to the land that I came from. Now that sounds almost at first glance like he's just trying to make it hard for the servant. An extra little challenge in there as well. Yeah, you need to go and find a wife, but you're not allowed to take Isaac with you. He's not allowed to have an input. It sounds a little bit cruel. But actually, Abraham understands something else here as well. If Isaac was to leave the promised land, so where they're currently living is the land that has been promised to them. And if Isaac was to leave this promised land and go back to the original land that they came from, Haran, way back in Genesis 12, Abraham was called with his family from that land. If he was to go back there, he might be tempted to stay. He might miss out on some of these great promises that has been given to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants. Because going back out of this land, he might be tempted to stay with his own father, with his clan, and and with his own relatives. And Abraham's cautious of that. He doesn't want that. Because there are promises. Promises that are for Isaac. Promises that God has given. But it's reliant on him being in the right place. It's reliant on him being in the promised land. And there's a spiritual aspect to this as well. Because for you and for me, there are great promises for those of us who are in that right relationship with God. Those of us who have accepted Christ. Those of us who know God as our Father. He's given us incredible promises about being close to us through our hardest times, about being our hope, about being our salvation, about being our rest and our assurance. And whilst God doesn't give conditional promises, he's not that kind of father. He certainly makes it a lot easier for him to play them out in our lives when we're in the right place, when we're spiritually, if you like, in the promised land. And that sounds very wishy-washy, as phraseology goes. But actually, that's the basics. Because what God wants from us is that close relationship. He wants us to be right beside him, right, right close to him so that he knows us and we know him. And that involves speaking to him. It involves praying. How do you have a relationship with somebody? How do you get close to somebody and get to know them if you don't speak to them? So it involves prayer. As hard as that is, as hard as it is to make that habitual in our life, and sadly it's often the first thing that goes It's what God wants from us. It does involve reading his word and spending time actually meditating and thinking about it so that we can gather an an understanding of God's will and what he wants from us. It is the basics. But when we're doing this, when we're really investing our time in that kind of relationship with God, we're in the right place. And then God's able to actually give us the blessings that he promises us. And so Isaac is to stay put. He's not to leave isaac's not to leave the country abraham's too old who else is going to go who's going to go and find isaac a wife and so in steps the servant this trusted servant Now we don't know much about him we never find out his name we just know that he's the the head servant of the house and this is an important mission the the hand under the thigh thing which seems a bit odd to us and probably not something we're going to start working into our own relationships i suspect but it, back then in the culture, it really meant something. It meant that this was an important promise, a treaty. This was something valuable. And it's beautiful how seriously the servant takes it. Just like he's done with all of the other things that Abraham has given him, I have no doubt that this was a faithful servant who was trustworthy in everything, that Abram had asked him to do. That's how he got to that position in the first place. Who else is going to go? Who's who's important enough? Who's trustworthy enough and faithful enough for this job? Well, it's got to be this man. Oh, that we could have that relationship and that reputation with the people that we work amongst, our bosses. I need something important done. I'm going to pick Rob. That doesn't happen very often. Because wouldn't it be great if that was the reputation? We were so faithful we did our job so well, we were so honest and filled with integrity and so hardworking that our employers and the people around about us, they knew that we were faithful and they could, they could ask us to do things for them. And so he takes this, this, this role, this job, this task, this mission and he sets off back to the land that Abraham was called for, Haran. And when he arrives, he gets to work. Now, for me, I think it would be reasonable for him to take a little bit of time, settle in, find his feet. He hasn't been there for quite a few years now. Uh, maybe observe for a few weeks. I would look at it in a very logistical way. I'd, I'd want to like, start doing some observations, do some reconnaissance, find out who the, uh, who the best families in the area were. Um, find maybe, well, the things I'd be looking for. I'd make a list, a tech list. I'm looking for a wife. So I'm wanting a godly girl. I'm wanting a girl who's the, the right age. Because she needs to have children, so she has to be young enough. Um, she needs to come from a good background. I would say, um, she needs to be a kind of non rebellious nature, uh, probably a good cook that's what I'd be looking for um, and yes, I'd probably be looking for a girl who was quite pretty so so I'd have a whole list and, and it would go on. these are the things that I want right and I'd, I'd allow myself probably three months, three months of looking and and just like checking out all the different girls um, and I try not to enjoy it too much and you know not this guy he gets to the first well in the right part of the land and he calls on God then the servant left taking with him ten of the master's camels loaded with all kinds of good things from his master he set out for Arun Har- Naharam and whatever, and made his way to the land of Nahor to the town of Nahor he had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town It was towards evening, the time when the women would go out to draw water. Then he prayed. Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today. Show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to the young woman, please let down your jar, that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one that you've chosen for my servant Isaac, for your servant Isaac. For this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And don't you think it's a bit unreasonable? He's only been there three minutes. And he's already he's he's palmed off the task to God. You know, he was sent out there and he's been there and he gets first will. Alright, God, over to you. He's a bit specific as well. He's a bit bold, if not brazen. No, he's not. He's absolutely not. See the way he starts? Lord, already we see that this is a man of God. A man in a relationship with God. A man who understands that this God, the true God of heaven, the God of his master, Isaac, he's the God that can do things. He's seen God do things. He's been with Abraham for years. He understands exactly who he's speaking to and the power that this God has. And he also reminds God. Not that God needs it. But he's the God of Abraham. And there are promises, God, you gave to Abraham. You said he was going to have a, uh, you know, descendants more than the sands of the, the beaches. I don't think he said beaches. But he, he calls on God and he reminds him and he says, God, I need you here. He's a real and a concrete knowledge that God can provide exactly what he needs. And he's not afraid to make big requests now considering that that's the same God that we have today the same one we've been worshipping this morning the same one we've been praying to this morning why are we so worried about making big requests to this same God why are we worried about asking God for amazing things do we worry that he doesn't care well I think he's already shown us that he cares do we think that he's not powerful enough well we're going to see that he's got plenty of power Do we think that we are unworthy of of the requests and that God wouldn't listen to us? Well, we are unworthy, but God listens to us anyway. Jeremiah 33 says this. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Our God wants you to pray. And he doesn't want you to pray just the menial kind of insignificant things. He wants you to pray big things. He wants you to challenge him to ask great prayers because he's a great God. And so we've already heard the prayer, the requests, how specific he was, this servant. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hand and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they've had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring, weighing a beka, and two gold bracelets, weighing ten shekels, and he asked, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, born to Nahor. And she said, We have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. You know what I like about this? Before he had even finished praying, she makes an appearance. You know that means? Before he had even started praying, she was already on the way. Because God had already sent her. God had already dealt with this whole situation. He already had the girl picked out. He already knew what the servant was going to ask, and he had already got the ball rolling. It was God's plan all along. He just wanted the faithful servant to pray it. And when he did, God answered it. Now we need to remember at the same time that God in his wisdom knows when our prayers are not the right thing. And and therefore some of our prayers are answered no or not yet. That absolutely does not mean that God's lost his power nor his desire or his will to help. But sometimes we just need to remember that he knows better. And that's the hardest times to accept. And so in steps Rebecca to the story. I like Rebecca. Not because she's beautiful. Because she's a pure person. the good character. And look how kind she is. I don't think that God planted the words in her mouth about the camels in the water. God knew how she would react in the situation. She was generous with her time. She knew need when she saw it. And she wanted to help anybody wherever she could. A drink, of course. But let me see to your thirsty animals as well. This was the kind of person that the servant was looking for, for Isaac. A man who he himself had grown up with and therefore loved. He wanted him to have a wife, a woman who would care. Who would see need, who would try to work into that situation who would be passionate, who would give of herself, who would be kind to strangers and to animals. And if she's going to be kind to strangers and animals, how much kinder is she going to be to a man who she loves? She was just the right person. By the end of this story, we find out that Isaac loves her. God's already been in the situation. She would quickly prove to be the partner that she needed to be. The wife that Isaac needed. She wasn't going to be flawless. She was going to make a few mistakes over the next couple of years. Tune in next week. But she was a godly woman. Utterly committed to her family. And she was the wife that Isaac needed. And the one that God had prepared for him already. So if you're thinking about marrying. Whether you're boy, girl, whatever. Aim to be like Rebecca. Pure. Kind, generous, with your time, hospitable. And look for this in a partner too. It's actually far more important than the looks. I mean if you can get both, brilliant. (laughs) God has the power to do great things. Sorry, I must have it. Things beyond our requests. Things better than we expected or asked. So don't stop praying. Like I say, I know it's hard. It takes habitual behavior. And that's some of the hardest thing to get into when it's good stuff. It's often the first thing to go when our life gets busy. But don't stop praying. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. If you have need in your life, if there's something that you're passionate about, if there's something that you really are worried about, someone that you're worried about, pray. Don't stop praying. Maybe God will say no. Maybe God will say not yet. Maybe he'll say yes. But don't stop praying. What we see from our servant is his prayers are answered. Our prayers get answered. Yeses and no's. How's he going to respond? Verse 26 and 27 say this. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be the Lord, the God of our master, Abraham who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on a journey to the house of my master's relatives. Praise be to the Lord. How wonderful, and sadly, how seldom is it that we praise God for answered prayers. Oh, we're pleased. We're pleased when we see our prayers answered. We love the yeses. We love it when we pray and something comes back, even if it takes a little bit of time. But then sadly, if you're anything like me, Box ticked, let's move on. Not this man. First thing he does, he worships and he prays. So, may I challenge us all, yes, to be praying people, but to remember our prayers and look out for uh, answered prayers so that we can actually go back to God and worship God and thank Him for the prayers that He answers. It's easier when it's a yes, the real challenge is when it's a no. And to continue to worship God and to praise Him even when He says no to our prayers. It takes spiritual maturity. It takes a realization that God sees the big picture far more than we do. And to be honest, prayer aside, God deserves to be worshiped because He's magnificent. He's the world creator, He's the star producer, He's the planet spinner. We should worship him just because he's God. But we should certainly worship and thank him and praise him when he answers our prayers. And so our story continues and plays out. Just as the servant would have wanted. But more importantly, just as God planned. Now there's quite a lot of verses in the rest of our chapter. So I might skip over some of them. The young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebecca had a brother named Laban. And he hurried out to the man at the spring. As soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, and he had heard Rebecca tell what the man said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you who are blessed by the Lord. He said, why are you standing out here? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man went back to the house, and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought to the camels, and and water for him and his men uh, to wash their feet. Then food was set before him, and he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say and tell us, Laban said. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly. And he's become wealthy. He's given him uh, sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a, child, a son in her old age and he's given him everything he owns. My master made me swear an oath and said, you must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live. But go to my father's family and go to my own clan, and get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master, what if this woman will not come back with me? He replied, the Lord before whom I walk faithfully will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son from my own clan and from my father's family. You will be released from my oath if, when you go to the the clan, I love the fact that they call them clans. It's brilliant. I love it. They refuse to give her to you. Then you will be released from my oath. I think we're over here. Then I came to the spring today. I said, Lord God my master Abraham, if you will, please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I am standing beside the spring. If a young woman comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar. And if she says to me, drink, and I'll draw water for your camels too, let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finish praying in my heart, Rebecca came out with a jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water and said, please give me a drink. I asked her, whose daughter are you? Oh, sorry. Uh, she quickly lowered a jar from her shoulder and said, drink and I'll water your camels too. So I drank and she watered the camels also. I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. Then I put a ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms and I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord the God of my master Abraham, who has led me on the right road to get the the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. You'll have noticed that I'm slightly out of sync here. Uh, With my son. Uh, Then I put the the ring on her nose and braces on her arm, and I bowed down and worshipped the Lord. Here is Rebecca, they said. Take her and go, and and let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and uh, articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and her mother, and he said to the men who were with him, uh, ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother, uh, but her brother, And mother replied, Let the young woman remain with us ten days or so, then you may go. But he said to them, Do not detain me, now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way so that I may go to my master. Then they said, Let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, Will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister. Uh, May you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the cities of your enemies. Then Rebecca and her attendants got ready and mounted the camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. Now Isaac had come from Beer Roy, and he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw the camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Such is the clarity in the actions of God. And his provision that the family, the family of Rebecca, hearing of what's happened, hearing the account from this servant of what's happened, they are utterly convinced. They know exactly that this is from God. It's not difficult for them to say yes, it's not difficult for them to say Rebecca should go. But I do like that in the closing moments of our account, the choice is finally given to Rebecca. According to her customs, and I I believe with her own consent, she was to go with the the servant to meet her husband. But she was asked if she would go. What a daunting moment. To leave the security of the family home, to be married to an unknown man, the son of a mighty man, a man of God. And I believe that we learn something about Rebecca in this situation, in her decision. She was convinced that this was the right thing not because her brothers were convinced, not because her family was convinced, not because they persuaded her, but from God. I believe that she was a woman who understood the mind of God in this matter, who believed that all of these occurrences, all this situation, it was ordained from on high. And therefore she would obey. She would obey the living God. She would leave. And that's all that she needed. All that she needed was to know that this was God. And these were the words of God. And this is what God wanted from her. And therefore she would obey. No matter how hard it was, no matter how difficult the choice, no matter how daunting the prospect, that was from God. And so for me, and I wonder for you, when you feel God speaking into your heart, and you feel like something is from God, or Somebody asks you for something, you think, that that sounds like just the kind of thing God would want me to do. Something that God would want me to be involved in. How quick are we to obey? Even when it's daunting, even when it's challenging, even when it's really outside of our comfort zone. How quick are you and I to obey? For Rebecca, it wasn't even a second thought. So she left. And they make their way to meet Isaac. So, as our story comes to a close, we see a woman of respect, faithfulness, meeting a man who is utterly convinced by the same situation. We need to remember, at the same time that Isaac, this woman is just, just arrives. He doesn't know her, he doesn't know the family background. He hears the story, hears the account, and as the servant relays the account of what has happened, how God has worked in this situation, Isaac, just like Rebecca, knows. Blesses of God. And so it's so easy for him. In spite of not knowing the women, he takes this this woman, this Rebecca. And he takes her to be his wife. She's going to become the mother of a great nation. Descendants beyond the stars. She's going to take the possession of power in the family, as indicated by the mother's tent at the end. And she's going to be a comfort. For Isaac, who's still bereaved, who's still sorrowing after the loss of his own mother, and she's going to be a comfort. It's a really beautiful story. It's a romance. It's um, filled with characters who are marked for me by one main characteristic. Faithfulness. Abraham, what a faithful man. He knew that he needed to be faithful to his family. He needed to be faithful to his God. He needed to be faithful to his son. A faithful servant, who would go above and beyond to do the wishes of his, his, his master, but the wishes of his God. A faithful wife, who was pure, who was kind, who was loving, who understood her her place. in in God's picture who was obedient to the movement of God in her life and faithful Isaac who also understood that this was all from God but the biggest character in terms of faithfulness is the God because without the God none of this would have happened it would have been an unfulfilled story it would have been mistakes made. But praise God, He's a faithful God. Hearing our prayers, knowing what is best for us, loving us unconditionally. And when we're in the right place, when we're close to Him, when we're taking our problems to Him, our faithful God will continue to be faithful. So please be encouraged today. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever your challenges, As we've already heard, we're all different. We're all coming from different situations. But our God is the same. And he's a faithful God. And so as we finish this morning, may I just pray. And maybe we just be challenged by the words of God and the words of spirit. As we just consider this story and these characters. But really consider the God who's at the heart of the whole thing. Let's pray father i thank you i thank you that you are a faithful god beyond anything else you are faithful and you will love us unconditionally regardless of our mistakes and that is incredible so father help us just to be challenged by the account help us to be moved by your spirit help us to stay close to you help us to be faithful people to be faithful friends to be faithful spouses faithful fathers and mothers faithful children Father, help us just to be challenged, to be the best that we can be, to be as like your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as we can. So I thank you this morning. Bless us bless us as we finish in part. Bless us as we continue to worship you just now. And uh, again, I just thank you for your faithfulness to us in Christ's name.